my name is Razi Jaffrey. I am a uh, Detroit-based uh, documentary photographer and filmmaker. My name is Justin Feltman. I am a Washington, D.C.-based filmmaker. I used to collect the list of graduates every year because I was really interested in the last names of the graduates and watched that list of names shift to Bosnians in the early 90s and then more and more Bangladeshi names and Yemeni names. And I've realized that I am probably the last in the 100-year line of Polish mayors. Hamtramck, Michigan, has become the first Muslim-majority city in America. Inshallah, you support me November 7th as well. Inshallah, we unify together as one. And inshallah, we accomplish the unaccomplished prior. If you like to change, I have some idea to restructure and modify the administration. If you care about this community and community's honor, come out and vote. I feel confident, feeling happy. This is our, this is our time to shine. Ami e Chitita Amar Barita Kansu Korta Hassan Er Nikot Teke Piechi. Tini Lekechen Jitini Bangladeshi, Yemeni, Polish, African American Ebum, Americander Shate Kash Korache. Kintu Nerbuchuner Din Amra, Polish American, African American, Yemeni, Opolo, Bangladeshi, Erekuna Taina. Amra Kobai Holan Tremekin. People didn't even think about who is being a president of the United States, and tonight they want to know who will be the mayor of M. Tremek. That is the trailer for Hamtramck USA, and this is Factual America. Factual America is produced by Alamo Pictures, a production company specializing in documentaries, television, and shorts about the USA for an international audience. I'm your host, Matthew Sherwood, and every week we look at America through the lens of documentary filmmaking by interviewing filmmakers and experts on the American experience. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alamo Pictures to be the first to hear about new productions, to find out where you can see our films, and to connect with our team. The U.S. is a land of immigrants, and there's no better example of this than Hamtramck, Michigan. No bigger than two square miles, This city surrounded by Detroit is home to a myriad of nationalities and ethnic groups, and over 30 different languages can be heard on its streets. Using a city government election as a backdrop, producers and directors Justin Feltman and Razi Jaffrey eloquently capture the dynamism stemming from successive waves of immigration. Is America a melting pot or a mosaic? Or does it matter what we call it? We find out as we catch up with Justin and Razi from their homes in Washington, D.C. and Hamtramck, Michigan. Justin Feltman and Razi Jaffrey, welcome to Factual America. It's good to finally meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Thank you for having us. Yeah, I, I think we were supposed to uh, get together at South by Southwest in March, but uh, 
obviously that that never happened. I think we didn't really even have an idea what we were getting ourselves into back then. But uh, how are you doing? I'll start with uh, Razi. Uh, I'm doing really well. Um, yeah, I mean, considering the circumstances, um, you know, Justin and I are are busy with new projects, and uh, you know, we've um, you know been working on a couple things that we have uh, going on with Hamtramck in terms of educational partnerships. Um, so. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Okay, and and everything's okay in Detroit. I mean, I know Detroit was a bit of an epicenter, mini epicenter, I guess, there a few months ago. But yeah, definitely. I mean, Detroit being um, one of the poorest uh, cities in America and uh, one of the blackest, you know, the blackest large city in, in the United States, um, it was uh, affected disproportionately um, more than uh, even the surrounding areas. Uh, so we were hit really hard with the coronavirus. And, and Justin, uh, how, how are things in Washington, D.C.? I think you've got different types of storms there. but Yeah, no, uh, things are going pretty well. Uh, as Razi said, it's a good time to kind of work on our next projects. Um, not a good time to shoot projects, but a great great time to lay the groundwork for, for future projects. Uh, that's kind of what's been keeping us busy. And- well, well, excellent. Well, I, I look forward to talking about some of those future pod projects uh, later on the podcast. Uh, but let's talk about the the film that brings you here and the one that we were going to discuss and was actually supposed to premiere at uh, South by Southwest. Um, that's uh, Hamtramck USA. Um, Razi, uh, is, where can we see this film or has it been released yet? It has not been released yet. Um, uh, we're sort of still exploring distribution options for the film. Uh, the film is screening virtually at uh, several film festivals. Um, uh, most recently, the DOXA uh, International Documentary Documentary Festival in Vancouver, and the Melbourne um, Documentary International Documentary Festival in Australia. Uh, they had virtual screenings. Um, they were geo-locked, so unless you lived in British Columbia or Australia, you wouldn't be able to see it. Um, and then we're shooting for early uh, next year for a, a public television broadcast. Well, I was actually going to, I had this one down for Justin because I wasn't sure exactly where everyone was from. I was going to ask you maybe, uh, well, first of all, we've seen our uh, listeners have heard or we've got a few people on YouTube who've watched the uh, the trailer. Uh, so it's called Hamtramck USA again. Um I was just I was going to t- ask you to tell us something about Hamtramck, or would Razi, being the Detroit-based uh, filmmaker, rather take that one? Yeah, uh, Razi currently lives in Hamtramck, so if he wants to tackle this one, that yeah. might be a, <laughs> so tell a us, good one. tell us, t- let the world know something about Hamtramck. Uh, Hamtramck is a very special place. Um, you know, uh, there was a really incredible article a couple of years ago in the Detroit Free Press that described Hamtramck as. Michigan's Ellis Island. Uh, that was the headline from the article in the Detroit Free Press. And it, it couldn't be more fitting because it's a community that has always accepted uh, immigrants and refugees, um, uh, at, you know, when they're arriving to the United States. Uh, and just to kind of give a sense of the geography of where Hamtramck is uh, in the region and in the country, uh, Hamtramck is in the state of Michigan. Uh, it's actually inside Detroit. Uh, Detroit is uh, big enough where it actually has two other cities inside of its boundaries, uh, Hamtramck being one of them, Highland Park um, being the other one. Um, And uh, for most of its history, uh, Hamtramck was a majority uh, Eastern Eastern European um, city, uh, predominantly Polish, Polish Polish-American, Hungarian, Ukrainian uh, uh, 
people occupied the city. And then over the last 25 to 30 years, the demographics really started shifting uh, in Hamtramck. And you had more people arriving to the city from places like Bangladesh and Yemen. Um, And then you also have people moving to Hamtramck from places like Queens, um, in New York. And uh, so you've seen this influx of my, my in-migration um, from people from various different backgrounds. And so the demographics of the city have totally shifted from Eastern European to South Asian and Middle Eastern. And so now uh, Hamtramck's, uh, I guess one of its claims to fame is that it's America's first uh, Muslim majority city. And is that, I mean, what does that what does that mean that it's just the first Muslim majority city at Razi? Well, you know, I think in today's sort of political climate, it means a lot uh, in the sense that, you know, uh, Muslims are one of the more marginalized and misunderstood um, religious communities in the United States. And so what does it mean when uh, Muslims are residents of a, of a community in a, in a majority fashion? And, and, and on the other side, it really doesn't mean anything. Uh, in the sense that, uh, you know, democracy and life in Hamtramck is no different than what life and democracy would be like in any other working class town in America. Um, because the common issues, you know, for the community, uh, for the communities of Hamtramck are issues around class, you know, schools, safety, potholes, you know, things like that. And so I think both things are pretty, uh, both things are worth noting, that it's both remarkable and unremarkable in that regard. I think that's well summarized. And and maybe I could take us to Justin, because uh, Justin, maybe you can, uh, for our listeners again, uh, who many, well, most will have not seen the film, um, uh, maybe you can give us a synopsis of what this film's about. Yeah, the film kind of covers uh, life and democracy in America's Muslim uh, first Muslim-majority city, uh, Hamtramck, Michigan. Uh when we, we started working on the film, uh, we knew the election would be a, a central uh, kind of driving from a narrative standpoint. But we also knew that what really makes this place special is the daily contributions and creation of the community uh, that goes beyond just voting. Uh, there's many ways of contributing to the city, and we wanted to make sure that we included all of those. There's a lot of, you know, slice of life kind of montages, uh, whether that's you know, religious life, so um, churches, uh, mosques, or, or with the arts. So there's, you know, performances, uh, you know, uh, arts and crafts kind of fairs, and then just cultural celebrations. It seems like every weekend there's at least four events happening in this tiny little two-square-mile t- town, two square miles. And, um, you know, I think that that's what makes this place special, as Razi kind of was telling, saying is part of it's very unremarkable, but there's there is something very remarkable in in that as well. Uh, a lot of it, you know, for instance, one of their biggest celebrations is a Labor Day parade, and you know it may look a little different, but it still hits the same notes <laughs> than any other Labor Day parade does. But I think I. I th- and maybe this won't sell the film, but it, what the, you, you've touched, both of you have touched on this is some some of the elements that are so unremarkable about about right. Hamtramck and what you capture with with your film. Um, it is everyday life, and and this election that you've focused on. I mean, just it, it was that you you said that it's obviously a narrative driver, but did when you went to to make this film, did you think no, we're definitely making it about this election, or was it a, more about we're making a film about Hamtramck. 
Yeah, I think we wanted to find, well, Rosie and I had met during the 2016 election. Uh, I was in town working on a documentary founding like marginalized voices in, in uh, American democracy. And after the results came in, Rosie and I were looking for a project to work on together. And for us, we knew Hamtramck would be where we wanted to be and would be where we wanted to go. Sorry. Uh, and when we were, we were looking for that narrative, the election was coming up for mayor. The previous election had gotten them the first um, Muslim majority city council. And so we figured, well, this would probably be a historically significant election. Let's cover this one. Uh, so it wasn't our immediate, um, you know, it wasn't necessarily what we wanted to tell, but I think it made the most sense. And it, it made a lot of sense to include that. And, you know, as we covered it, we knew that this was the important thread to really kind of bring the town all together. And, you know, especially post-2016, what does democracy look like? What does true representation look like? Um, and those are themes that, you know, we hope to tell throughout the film. Uh, and we'll try not to give away we won't give away too much about the film, obviously, but but Rosy, maybe you can set the scene in terms of this election. Um, uh, Justin's already made mention that it's a mayoral and a city council election, but maybe you can tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, and I think it's a great question, and I think there's a couple things that I can sort of uh, touch on, um, you know, as leading into the into my answer, you know, and so you know, I was mentioning before how the demographics of the town had really shifted. And so there were these seminal moments in Hamtramck's history, you know, with plant closures and, you know, sort of both economic and cultural um, milestones and, and significant events that took place, you know, in the city. And with, you know, plant closures sort of driving some of the demographic shifts um, when you have these new communities coming in and establishing new neighborhoods that were often left um, vacant by the uh, egressing um, Polish community or the existing community that was already there. Um, then as things, you know, continue to uh, grow and proliferate amongst these um, minority communities that are newer, that are coming into Hamtramck, uh, they're making more and more cultural inroads um, into the city through uh, cultural representation um, and through representation in politics. And so I think it was in 2004 when uh, there was a controversy brewing around the Muslim call to prayer um, being broadcast on loudspeakers throughout the city of Hamtramck. And so this is, you know, obviously, you know, 13, 14 years before our film takes place. But, um, you know, these are kind of some of the things that are starting to develop and starting to take place uh, in Hamtramck leading up, you know, um, to the election. Um, and then in 2013 was when uh, the city council becomes uh, becomes a majority Muslim city council. Um, and it's comprised of, you know, people from pe members of the Bangladeshi community, but also members of the, of the Yemeni community. And so that kind of leads us into the current period where Hamtramck finds itself under uh, emergency management, emergency financial management. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's uh, economically distressed. Uh, you know, it's a working class, impoverished community, um, you know, that's, at, you know, in a way united by class. Um, and so that's a little bit of the backdrop, you know. Um, and then, of course, we have the greater political climate that's taking place in the United States that through the 2016 presidential election that Justin was alluding to, 
uh, at least by the uh, by the candidate at the time, Donald Trump, was based on a largely anti-immigrant, anti-Muslim, uh, you know, campaign. And so a place like Hamtramck, which is majority Muslim, majority immigrant uh, town, um, you know, creates a, an amazing backstory uh, for a way to tell the story of a changing America. And so that's kind of what some of the lenses that we were looking at, you know, and why Hamtramck was so appealing. Um, in terms of anything particular about that year, um, I would say that there was nothing really particularly special, you know, about the year, you know, 2017, other than it being on the heels of the 2016 election. Um, and it's it's sort of a shift, you know, uh, but it's a shift that's a part of like a 10-year, five-year shift in the political uh, change that's taking place in Hamtramck through more and more representation through City Hall. Um, and so that's kind of the context behind, you know, uh, the years leading up to the year that we shot our film. And so you've got this, uh, the the sitting mayor uh, is Karen Majewski, who's mm-hmm. of the Polish community, and she's quite She's quite eloquent, isn't she, about uh, mm-hmm. her place in history, isn't she? She's very well aware. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not giving away anything too much if I say she yeah. says, uh, you know, I know I'm the last in the line of Polish mayors in this town, mm-hmm. you know. And then you've got the two challengers. Both are, uh, um, both are Muslims. Um, are they both from the uh, Bangladeshi community or are they? Uh, Kamal and Hassan, yes, yeah. And then you've got the uh, the fellow, and then you, I think you focus. Uh, you've got many characters, like any good mm-hmm. doc, Scott. But uh, you've got especially this guy uh, Fidel Al Marsumi, I think, uh, who's mm-hmm. the uh, going for a council and uh, from the Yemeni community, and he's a very interesting fellow too. I think uh, mm-hmm. there's quite a quite a cast of. Uh, I, I, we say cast of characters usually sometimes wrongly, meaning zany or whatever, but they're a very compelling <laughs> uh, bunch of bunch of people. Yeah. I think. Um, I mean, what struck me, I mean, many things have struck me about this this film, and thank you so much for uh, for the screener. Uh, Just how did you gain so much access? I mean, you guys were there for a long time, weren't you? Because uh, you start off summer, you got the primary in August, and you take it all the way to uh, to November of that year. Uh, right. So, so how did you gain all that access, and how receptive were people to, to you filming? Yeah, you know, um, we, we actually started pretty much that same week that, Trump got elected. Um, you know, when I talked to Rosie about the idea, we both were like, ah, yeah, we need to film this, this, this Hamtramck election. And so I just left my film gear with him. I said, start shooting. I'll, I'll, I'll move up there in a couple months and I'll see you soon. Uh, so yeah, it kind of was during that time still coming up as much as possible, probably at least twice or three times a month. Uh, and then finally moved up there and, yeah, I think the big part of why people were so receptive is because we were always around. You know, we we showed genuine interest, and I think they also appreciated that we weren't trying to sensationalize uh, what was going on there. I think they're used to a lot of people kind of drop it in for a weekend or a day or something, and really trying to make like a very sensational story, a kind of clash of the civilizations kind of thing, and that was never of an interest to us. And I think, you know, we invested enough time that I think that they grew to kind of appreciate what we were trying to do. And I mean, I also would say that Hamtramck's a very welcoming town. Um, You know, people are genuinely open (laughs) uh, in in ways that 
never cease to amaze us. Yeah. I don't know yeah, which yeah. I, I don't know which ones of which or you both were holding cameras, but did I catch in one scene one of the one of the people try to give you a hug? Yes, that was me. <laughs> well, well, I'll leave it there, but I thought it was very touching. It was like the guys I said, "Oh, come on, you know, yeah. you're just going to keep rolling or are you going to let me give you a hug or something to that effect?" It was Yeah, yeah we developed really we developed really great relationships with people and I think, you know, part of it was um, you know, Justin and I showing up without the cameras often uh, and spending time with people and their places of business and their homes and and social events. And yeah, Justin, I think moving to Hamtramck was a big deal, uh, you know, for six months of production. Um, I eventually also moved to Hamtramck. Uh, I live there now. And I think so much of that access was because, you know, of the trust that we were able to build up by showing up and asking good questions and spending time with people. And um, I think that that was a big part of it. And I think, uh, I think you've already touched on this a bit, but question I often ask is uh, it's about Hamtramck. It's about this election. Certainly that drives the narrative, but Rosie, what is this film really about? Well, I mean, I think, you know, there's a great, uh, you know, Hamtramck is a great case study. You know, our, our, nation is changing. Our demographics are changing very quickly. And, uh, you know, there's a lot to be learned from places like Hamtramck because it's not the only city that looks like this or has had its demographics shifted so quickly. And so there's a lot of lessons to be learned from Hamtramck's achievements and its failures. Um, You know, and for us, I think right now, uh, in this particularly tumultuous time in our history, both because of the coronavirus and uh, police brutality and racial profiling and some of the other um, racial tensions that we're seeing in our country, you know, we have to ask ourselves some really deep questions. Um, you know, what kind of a nation are we looking forward, knowing that our country is changing? Um, and, you know, do we embrace uh, do we embrace pluralism and do we embrace multiculturalism um, or shall we remain divided or continue to remain divided? Um, and, uh, you know, obviously Justin and I have a particular, you know, uh, take on that issue. And so what we're trying to show is how can communities work together, um, in the United States and, and, and it's not just even the United States, the demographics are shifting, um, all over the world. And you see the rise of nationalism and not only Europe, but also in Asia and South Asia and East Asia. So how is it that humanity is going to, uh, reconcile our different relationships that we have with our communities that live, you know, in our nations as neighbors, as members of our community, as new members of our communities. Um, and I think, you know, we have a broad appeal with our film because it touches on a lot of these things. Uh, there's also a lot of international connections through things like the conflicts of the the geopolitics and conflicts of the modern Middle East. Uh, Hamtramck has welcomed a lot of refugees from places like Iraq, Syria, um, and Yemen um, over the last 10 years as this crisis has been unfolding internationally. Um, and so as people get resettled in pl- places like Germany um, and the United States, um, you know, what is that going to look like? You know, are we going to embrace people? Are we going to segregate people? These are all questions that we explore and examine and touch upon um, in our film. So therefore, there is this universal lesson there for everybody. I think this takes us to a good point to uh, actually watch or listen to a clip uh, from the film that you've uh, gracefully uh, provided us with. I think uh, if um, maybe Justin, you can give us a bit of an introduction here. This is um, 
we've already been introduced to the Hamtramck through the trailer and to to uh, Mayor uh, Karen Majewski, but this is a this gives us a little bit more of a feel for one of the other mayoral candidates and sort of a uh, uh, an homage really to to Hamtramck. Yeah, um, in the film, this is actually right after a uh, kind of montage of news uh, footage that is kind of putting out scare tactics, I would say, would be fair, about what Hamtramck is like. And so we're we're going from this and then diving into a candidate who's running for mayor, Kamal Rahman. Uh, and it's him with his family in a very uh, everyday kind of setting. And he's talking about why he's getting involved and uh, what, what kind of he feels he wants for Hamtramck. And then we're going into kind of daily life in the city. Excellent. All right. Well, let's uh, let's listen to that clip, and we'll be providing you, our listeners, with a break, uh, and we'll then welcome you back to Factual America. You're listening to Factual America. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Alamo Pictures to keep up to date with new releases or upcoming shows. Check out the show notes to learn more about the program, our guests, and the team behind the production. Now back to Factual America. I came here with my family in 1986. I went to school, Hamtramck High School. City is in need of a change. We have a mayor there for 12 years. I am running for mayor, and this is the first time I'll be running for any uh, elected office. Just uh, right, right behind you, a little bit behind you, that's it. <clears throat> Welcome back to Factual America. I'm here with Justin Feltman and uh, Razi Jaffrey, the directors and producers of Hamtramck USA. Um, I think I want to talk a little bit more about the project and the actual filming at this at this point, if I may. And that was a that was a lovely clip that I think really um, showcases what what the film's about. Um, I think we've already talked about how you guys kind of got involved, uh, Justin. What? Well, you actually moved to Hamtramck. I know you did too, Rosie, but. Uh, um, what did you expect to find, Justin? Maybe maybe this goes back to before 2016 or when you first encountered Hamtramck. And um, uh, follow-up questions, which I'll put to you now, so as part you can answer them as part of your responses. Uh, is Hamtramck really this ideal, uh, idyllic in some ways? And is it in some ways too good to be true? But uh, I pose that to you. Uh, what do you think? I think when I first was coming there, you know, you I, I knew Hamtramck from the footage we had seen on the news. And that gives you a very negative and tensions kind of running high at all points kind of feel for the city. Uh, and I didn't find that there when we, when we actually got there. Um, you know, I would say, is it really that idyllic? Maybe not. <laughs> But I do think there's a there's an honest soul searching going on in that city right now amongst a lot of leaders, a lot of community leaders and a lot of activists 
that are really trying to see to make a better future, you know, really trying to apply some of the lessons learned. Um, you know, the, it is in some ways, as, as Razi was speaking of earlier, you know, it, many communities are going through something similar. Um, and so we, we kind of wanted to show that soul searching a bit in Hamtramck. We really wanted to put that first and foremost. And I think, um, I mean, isn't this isn't this really sort of the history of the United States? I mean, you've had waves and waves of immigrants. So the Irish came and then they, uh, the Italian wave came in and pushed, didn't push them out, but that's, they were the next ones to come in. And then you get a Puerto Rican wave and you get all these different waves of immigrants to cer certainly certain urban locales. And uh, it just seems to me what I, what brought, what, uh, how it spoke to me was like, I, I felt like I was watching. It would have been great if you guys had been, could go back in time and film New York in the 1890s and, you know, different time periods in the, in the U.S. where you had these waves of immigration. Yeah, there was this interesting article that we found in uh, some Chicago newspaper um, where it kind of talked about Hamtramck, and I think it was in the 30s, and they called it like a Polish no-go zone basically, that if you don't speak Polish, you're not allowed into the city limits, basically, and it's complete anarchy, and it's, you know, all these scare tactics that you're like, oh, this this rhymes. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Rosie, what, what lessons do you want viewers to take away once they finally get to see this film? Well, I think, you know, one of the, you know, some of the big things that we want people to take away from the film is just a more of a nuanced understanding of, you know, immigrant communities and uh, their sense of uh, the sense of responsibility that a lot of immigrant communities feel um, about civic engagement um, and democracy. You know, one of the things that I think is often um, uh, falsely, uh, you know, a lot of these communities are falsely accused of is that they only care about themselves. And I think one of the examples that you learn uh, from the film is how engaged the candidates are in communities that are outside of their own. Not just, you know, people like, you know, Kamal and, uh, and Muhammad and, and Fadl, but also people like Karen, who's a white Polish, you know, uh, person, you know, and she, and a woman. And she's, you know, she's uh, very in a very savvy way connecting to all these other communities. And I think, you know, one of the big things you realize is that the people that are running for office in these places, they also care about, you know, clean roads and, uh, you know, public safety and better schools and, uh, clean water and things like that. Some of these issues that are regional issues or universal issues around the country. And so I think that's one of the big takeaways is that, you know, uh, immigrants are not just here to take advantage of the benefits of living in the United States. They actually give back in ways that, you know, more ways often than American born, uh, you know, citizens do. And so I think that's like one of the big takeaways. And the other thing is to sort of understand the innocuous nature of what some of these communities, what life is like in some of these communities, you know? And that's the thing about whether this Hamtramck is a remarkable place, an idyllic place, or is it an unremarkable place? Well, it's really kind of both, you know? And so I think that's another thing where there's a hypercharged lens on Hamtramck, particularly through uh, the media. You know, and I'll just, you know, like, you know, uh, Fox News has a particular lens on Hamtramck because it is, um, you know, first Muslim majority city. Um, and in a way, Muslims are, you know, the occupying the major leadership roles um, in the city. 
And if Islam is the kind of the one of the more toxic ideologies that the way that people perceive it to be, then what does it look like when Muslims are engaging in the political process? You know, and so these are critical questions to sort of think about and lessons to take away from um, in the film. I think it's a good point. I think how many times do they does one of the candidates talk about cheap water and clean, make sure your streets are clean and your potholes are filled and things like that. It's, it's, it's grassroots politics as it's been in Mm -hmm. the U S for, for as long as anyone can remember, I think. Um, I mean, Justin, are you the sound guy? I think, or it it doesn't have to be, uh, there's a, there's a tolling bell motif that I picked up in the film. Yeah. Do you want to talk about, say a little something about that? Yeah. Well, that, you know, Hamtramck religion really is out loud. Um, you know, it, you you hear the uh, Saint Florian, which is a, a Catholic um, church. Um, it it is the largest building or tallest building in Hamtramck, and so you can throughout the city hear the bells, and they are. Razi, correct me if I'm wrong. There's eight mosques in Hamtramck. I think there's about twelve now. Yeah. Oh, twelve. Okay. Um, and you know, so you hear the call of prayer daily as well, and then it's this, this, this. Uh, it really kind of blends into the urban soundscape uh, really beautifully. And I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, we'd just be filming regular things, and you kind of hear both going off around the same time. And so it was always kind of there, kind of constantly, whether we wanted it to be a motif or not. You know, it it uh, it certainly makes its way. Um, into the film. Um, and, and so, yeah, we just really embrace that. With many documentary films, you know, you're sort of straddling the intersections of ethnography and journalism and documentary filmmaking. And so I think that's a part of us that um, was really interested in the sort of the sensory experience of Hemtramck. And I think, you know, Justin and I tried to capture some of those moments of the sights, the sounds, the smells, the tastes, um, you know, r- r- bumping up against people, the celebrations. And, you know, those are definitely things that we wanted to lift out. Uh, and I think the more time we spent in, in the city, the more uh, acutely attuned we became to some of those elements, uh, the, some of those sensory elements that we were experiencing um, that ended up, you know, making it into the film. The buildings in Hamtramck, especially the homes, were kind of put up in a hurry along the boom of the auto industry. And so they're very thin walls and they're maximized a lot. So you're always right bumping up next to each other. So it's always present in your life is any sounds outside. And, and, you know, there's also a lot of music venues. So you hear music, you hear uh, religious ceremonies or, or um, you know, call the prayers or the bells. So it's all these things that, as Rosie's saying, is really about the sensory experience of Hamtramck. And so we really wanted to kind of let that play throughout the film. And, you know, a lot of these kind of scenes kind of bump in together because uh, it's just kind of you're always in Hamtramck. <laughs> There's no escaping it when you're in Hamtramck. You know, it's an interesting point you raised because one thing I kept thinking of, because I used to live in a town just outside of Boston, Massachusetts, where the, 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 the housing was very similar except stacked them higher a little bit. But you felt like if you put your hand out the window, you would touch your neighbors in the house next door. I mean, it was that, you know, I think mm-hmm. the, I think the mayor talks about these 30-foot square lots or something yeah. like that, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, you were 
on that point that you were mentioning, Rosie, I, I just had a question is that, um, do you think one thing that, if you look at the history of, of Poland and Polish and, and then these, these people from um, the Middle East and uh, the South Asians that have come is, do you think that one thing that helps here is that at least even culturally, these are people of faith or maybe as uh, Muslims would say, they're all uh, uh, people of the book. I mean, it's yeah. kind of a, do you think that is an element that there's a sort of a commonality there that uh, helps with this, this engagement? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a great question. I mean, I think uh, as communities become more comfortable with each other, uh, it does help. However, I think it's a source of tension, uh, particularly in the early periods, you know, when these communities don't really know one another. Um, and so I think that's where you get some of the tension. And, you know, and we do sort of touch on that a little bit in the film, particularly around issues like the call to prayer. Um, so I think initially it's it's always this sort of point of tension. And then as time goes on, it does become uh, something sort of, sort of bond over. And, you know, one of the things that um, we, we show is how um, different candidates will go to the different houses of worship um, in the community. You know, Karen goes to mosques and Kamal goes to churches. And, um, and so, you know, yeah, I think, I think a lot of it just has to do with time, you know. Uh, but I think religion is deeply, deeply important uh, for people, um, you know, from Poland as Polish Catholic, you know, from people from Yemen and Bangladesh. These are deeply religious um, countries. Of, of and, and so they carry those traditions with them. Um, and religion is very visible in Hemtramic, you know, as Justin was saying, through the sounds, um, but through the architecture, through the design, through the, you know, sort of urban vernaculars that you see uh, just kind of every day on the streets, um, clothing, you know, um, all that stuff. It's, it's, it's a lot of it is expressing um, religious life in the city. Uh, one last question on this, this part of the podcast for both of you. Uh, um, so uh, melting pot or mosaic, what is the United States? Uh, Justin, you go next. I think the, the, the melting pot, you know, implies that things kind of melt down into a monoculture. And I think there's some that would prefer that, but I don't think that's a very, I wouldn't personally prefer it. And I don't think it's a very realistic um, statement either. Cause I mean, I believe, you know, if that was, well, that's not the case for, for a lot of people, correct? Like, I mean, you know, it's the myth of the, the model minority uh, is, is that, you know, that they would be able to melt down and fit in, but that's never the case. And so I think, you know, I think more of the mosaic um, would, would be more of something we should be striving for. And because, you know, everyone plays a beautiful part and, and, you know, celebrating differences and different perspectives is, I think, a much better way of building a multicultural society. And what do you think, Rosie? Well, I mean, you know, there's sort of two takes on it. Like you're saying, there's the sort of melting pot. And today, more and more, I think thought leaders on the topic are, think of America as a salad bowl or would like to think of America as a salad bowl where you have separate pieces, you know, but they're part of the same, you know, um, dish. <laughs> and uh, I think it's interesting when you think about 
um, things like culinary traditions, like what is American food, you know? And uh, it's, it's, it's a mishmash of all these different culinary traditions, you know, borrowed, stolen, appropriated, mixed and matched and, you know, fused with other things. And um, I think one of the great things about America is uh, that it, it is a type of a multicultural experiment. I mean, we really haven't seen this you know, and it's being experienced in other parts of the world as well, and particularly in, in Western and Northern Europe. Um, but you you don't see it anywhere more than you see it in the United States. Um, and a lot of it has to do with liberal immigration policies of the 1960s, um, where you've had a boom of people coming in from all over. Um, you know, and you sort of break it down to interpersonal relationships and, uh, and, and marriages and things like that and how families are developing and growing. Um, you know, we're less segregated in a lot of ways. We're still highly, highly segregated, um, particularly in metropolitan areas. But you, you're seeing a lot more intermarriage. You're seeing a lot more um, desire for people to want to know about each other's cultures. Um, I agree with Justin. I mean, I, I would like to see more celebration of different cultures uh, in, in the type of a mosaic landscape, uh, you know, as, as more, you know, as our country becomes more diverse um, I think it would be kind of a loss if we all sort of melted into a monoculture. Um, and I think that's one of the great things to celebrate about America, you know, is that we have all these different things. And sort of to bring it back into Hamtramck's experience, you know, um, if you were to sort of take a year of Hamtramck's life through festivals, uh, you have, the, you know, Punchki Day, you know, Fat Tuesday before the start of Lent, where now the majority of people that are lining up you know, to get these donuts, oh, these oversized punchki donuts are non-Polish, you know, and on that day, everybody is Polish, you know, and then people really celebrate that, you know, and then there's the Eid um, holidays and the Eid festivals that take place in Hamtramck, where, of course, you have a lot of Muslims that are coming out, but when there's a big carnival that's celebrating this holiday, um, all kinds of kids are going to come, you know, if you look at a place like Hamtramck High School, which has like 35 or 37 official languages, um, it's really incredible to see that taking place on a grassroots level. Um, and so my hope is that, you know, we'll continue to celebrate this diversity in a way that recognizes our differences and celebrates the differences, um, but also makes us stronger and more culturally literate, um, which I think is one of the ways we become a more peaceful society. I'll let you have the last word on that that one. I think uh, what I would like to talk about uh, just, well, it's maybe not as... Uh, as uplifting, but just to talk about uh, your own experiences now with the film world turned upside down. And um, uh, Justin, as we we talked about earlier, we you were supposed to have the world premiere at South by Southwest. That didn't happen. Uh, I think Rosie's already said that you've then had some uh, been shown at a couple of film festivals. But what's uh, what's happened over the last four months for you in terms of this film and? Uh, um, and where 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 are things headed with with Hamtramck USA? Well, I, I would say the one thing that we're looking forward to that we've we've done a few educational screenings, and I think those have gone really well from a remote uh, standpoint. And I think you know, as as it seems like every day, a new major college is announcing they're going online uh, for next year. I think this is a great opportunity for documentaries to kind of lead curriculum in many ways. Um, it, it makes for a great remote study. And, and I think that's, uh, you know, that's a big focus that we're, we're working on right now. Uh, we've, we've gotten an impact grant um, to, to kind of start this. 
and, and yeah, that that's one of the positives that's really come out of this um, so far that I think we're really looking forward to going forward as well. I, I, that's an interesting point. Actually, in the early days of this podcast, we had a lot of academics come on. And what was uh, always interesting was all of them have their favorite docu- go-to documentaries that they use as part of their uh, uh, lectures. I mean, it's it's. in fact, I was introduced to documentaries I was not aware of because of these people. Like, no, no, we show this one every year and it works and this is why it works and on on so many different subjects. So, uh, no, I think that's a, an important point. But Rosie, I mean, in terms of the, you know, maybe documentary film industry, how do you see the landscape change uh, changing? Is uh, COVID, is this, is there still room for festivals? Uh, I mean, I asked, I, I asked this question of other filmmakers and I, I seem to get a different answer each time. So uh, be interesting to see what you, you think. <laughs> well, I think you're probably getting different answers every time because the honest answer is no one knows, you know? Yeah. I have no idea. You know, I, I don't know what to say, you know, to that um, other than kind of what we're seeing right now is that you know, the situation keeps getting extended, you know, further and further. And so a lot of festivals that we were a part of and other festivals that, you know, that we're not a part of are, you know, have rescheduled the festivals till November and December um, as, as you know, anticipating that things might get better by then. But, you know, now we're starting to feel like that's not going to be a possibility. And so, yeah, I mean, the short answer is we don't know. And I think, you know, uh, it's it's just it's it's shut down production for so many filmmakers on projects that they were working on, um, and then you know the funding cycles have also been affected by this as well. Nonprofits and foundations have been affected by it, and so I think a lot of us are sort of trying to scramble to figure out what's next and how to adjust um, and how to work on projects when your ability to shoot is so limited. And you know that's the heart of a film is your time with your subjects and uh, your time documenting and capturing those moments um, that'll eventually become the lifeblood of, of any film. And so when you can't do that, it makes it really challenging. And, and you've already sort of alluded to it. What is next for the two of you? Yeah, well, Justin and I are, um, you know, working on, we're collaborating on a film together. I have, have a film that I'm producing. Uh, it's a documentary called Loyalty, which explores the life and work of three Muslim chaplains as they navigate religious freedom and Islamophobia in the military. And that film is at about 80%, 90% production is completed. We had one scene to shoot, which was going to be in Mecca, as two of our subjects uh, were going to be performing the Hajj pilgrimage. But Uh, That's indefinitely on hold now. But in the meantime, Justin and I have also been working on a new film, which is about the life of uh, uh, life and work of Anwar al-Awlaki, who is the first U.S. citizen uh, since the Civil War to have been hunted and killed extrajudicially by the U.S. government in 2011. And so the film explores how Anwar al-Awlaki became uh, radicalized against the United States and how the, rad- the United States became radicalized against Anwar al-Awlaki and, 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 and Islam vis-a-vis the war on terror. And so the film sort of explores these things through the war on terror, the proliferation of the drone programs, um, and sort of, um, you know, and so we're looking at this through an archival project. Um, and so we're working with a, um, uh, an archival producer um, and so that's where we are with the project right now. We're in a research phase. We've been reading books on it uh, and articles and just gathering as much information as we can um, on it. Well, look forward to seeing that. J- Justin, do you have any? Uh... I mean, I'm working on a couple uh, shorter films. 
one on on a uh, kind of the U.S.'s uh, response to venereal diseases in the early 20th century during World War One. They saw it as a national security issue that ended up uh, uh, imprisoning uh, thousands of women, uh, and, and and so we we're kind of examining uh, that kind of approach and kind of how. Uh, uh, sexism and classism really kind of played into that as well. And then I'm also tomorrow actually going to West Virginia to uh, go film some greyhound racing uh, and uh, working on a project because Florida, this is the last year of greyhound racing in Florida. And uh, there's a guy who, a trainer that moved up to West Virginia to, to keep employment. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so kind of working on that project as well. Well, uh, when you get these all done, you'll have to t- let us know, and we'll uh, we will having you yeah. on again. Uh, I want to take this back to the film because actually, it's hard to believe, but we're kind of coming up on time. Um, but uh, I want to ask both of you because I have a feeling I well, I won't won't suppose I know what you're going to say, but uh, I'm just curious, having now seen Hamtramck, uh, and ask you who are your main influences as documentary filmmakers. Uh, I would say one of my big influences is Steve James from Chicago. Um, yeah, I, I love and admire his work and I've been lucky enough to have uh, met Steve on a couple of occasions and um, he's just such a nice guy. <laughs> you know, he's so down to earth. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I hate to, to say this, but yeah, same. I, I really like Steve James's work. Um, you know, he has a very, uh, empathic approach to, to, to filmmaking that I think uh, we really hope to kind of bring to our filmmaking as well. And, you know, yeah, I think his work's great. I will say, I mean, I went, I went way back, but I'm also older. Uh, but uh, just watching this, I was, I, I thought back to um, the classic primary. Back yes. all the way, you yes. know, uh, yeah. I thought about Pennebaker. I thought of the Mazels. I thought of Salesman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, these, yeah. uh, this is, yeah. I mean, if you don't mind me saying, I think it's great direct cinema that you've got here with just, <laughs> thank you, you just so let, much. <laughs> you just let the cameras yeah. roll and you don't yeah. even realize you're doing it. Uh, it wasn't until later. I was like, wait a minute. I've just watched, I wasn't even thinking <laughs> in these terms. It was just it being entertained, yeah. but uh, um, it had, it has that feel to it. And I, I do, do appreciate it. Well, um, that's high praise. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, no. It's, it's it's meant it's, it's it's sincere i tell you um thank you well i fortunately we're gonna have to wrap up but uh mm. uh justin raza it's been a pleasure having you on uh, factual america uh we look forward to having you again if we haven't scared you away and uh, <laughs> uh just to remind our uh, listeners out there that uh justin uh, feltman and Razi joffrey are the directors and producers of hamtramck usa um where you can you can follow them uh well we'll have notes and links in the show notes and we'll be on the lookout for when this finally gets uh distributed to a wider audience um please remember to like us and share us with your friends and family wherever you happen to listen or watch podcasts and this is factual america signing off you've been listening to factual america This podcast is produced by Almo Pictures, specializing in documentaries, television, and shorts about the USA for international audiences. Head on down to the show notes for more information about today's episode, our guests, and the team behind the podcast. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alamo Pictures. 
Be the first to hear about new productions, festivals showing our films, and to connect with our team. Our homepage is alamopictures.co.uk.